What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Unparalleled Sports Talk with your host, Kwame Fisher-Jones. As always, I appreciate you joining us. If you like the show, make sure you like it. Make sure you share it. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you comment. Do anything your po- your podcast platform allows you to do. This episode is going to center around six things of the NFL season that have been surprises thus far. It'll be six things that have been positive surprises and six things that have been negative. Or excuse me, three things positive, three things negative. You know, we started out the season. We're about a quarter way through. Uh, 17 games, so it's not your traditional quarter where it's four four games in because it's 16 game season, 17 game season. But I'm still going to roll with it because it's something I want to do, and it's my podcast. So I'm going to start out with the painfully positive number six or number one, however you want to go with it. You know, you start out with the painful things first. You get the heavy stuff if you're in the gym. You start out with the bench. You start out with the squat. You get the most painful things out of the way, and and. I got to start out here with Baker Mayfield. Now it's no should be no should be no surprise to anyone that's listened to me, that's known me, that's had a casual conversation with me. I do not like this dude. How could I dislike a man I've never met very easily? That man is Baker Mayfield. Baker epitomizes everything that is privilege in this world of ours. However, that is not the point of this discussion. At this juncture in time, at this point in time, right now, Baker Mayfield has been very, very good this season. Right now. Baker Mayfield has been a pleasant surprise for a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans. And right now, he is 16th in completion yards. Right now, he is 17th in passing yards, 14th in yards per attempt. But he's in the top 10 at sitting at 8 in completion percentage. He sits at 8 at passing TDs. And the most important statistics right now, he is 6th in QBR, and his team is 3-1. and one. So I got to give credit to Baker right now. Right now, I am going to say I was wrong. And Baker's played well, and, and there's nothing else that needs to be said about that. He's been, I got nothing but love for him. I'm certain the pumpkin's coming. I'm certain it's about to be midnight very, 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 very soon. But right now, Baker Mayfield has played very well. For putting up the numbers that he's put up, those same numbers, if Dak were to put those numbers up or as Dak puts similar numbers up, Dak is considered a game manager, but Baker's playing very well. I love how the bar has been lowered for the first pick of the draft and raised for a guy that was taken when everybody got up to go to the bathroom. But nevertheless, I have to give Baker his propers. Right now, Baker Mayfield has been playing well. And as we sit four games in, he's been one of the pleasant, surprises in the NFL, but you better tune in come week eight because I'm certain that pumpkin is around the corner and it's going to be very, 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 very enjoyable for yours truly to once again point out to state the obvious. But I'm going to transition out to something negative. I didn't pick the Denver Broncos to be a Super Bowl contender. Did not pick the Denver Broncos to make the playoffs. I thought they would contend for a playoff position, but I didn't think they would make it. But I didn't think they would be anemic. I didn't think that they would be awful. I didn't think that they would be one of the worst football teams in the NFL. I didn't think that they would be have a worse record than the Atlanta Falcons at one and three. And it's definitely Russell's fault. It's definitely Russ. Like I'm no, there's no, you know, it's definitely Russ's fault. It's definitely Russ's fault that they lost by one point in week one. It's Definitely Russ's fault. They lost by two points in week two. And it's nobody else's fault but Russ's that they lost by 50 
I'm sorry if I blew your eardrums out, but but they lost by 50. It's all Russ. It's definitely Russ's fault. He, I mean, it, it's Russ's fault that they're ninth in points scored, 11th in passing yards, or excuse me, 10th in passing yards, while only being 19th in attempts, third in the league in passing TDs, and 11th in total yards. Yeah, that that that's that's Russell Wilson's fault. It ain't Sean Payton's. It ain't Sean Payton's fault that they're 29th in rushing attempts, 20th in yards, and 11th in yards per attempt. That that ain't Sean Payton's fault. It ain't Sean Payton's fault that this team looks like they're disinterested, uninspired, unprepared, and lost at times. That ain't Sean Payton's fault. That's all Russell Wilson. So Russ has got to go because Sean Payton has won one Super Bowl, so has Russell Wilson. But it doesn't matter. Because Sean Payton studied under Bill Parcells, and Russell Wilson didn't. I I, I don't I don't understand this, and I, I hope you're getting the hyperbole here. Like, dude, what? Do we, it, this is not Russell Wilson is not the problem in Denver. That one and three team is coached by a coach where the game has passed him by. That one and three team is coached by a coach who has given great sound bites, but has failed to uninspire the men on his roster. That one and three team is headed down a very, 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 very dark hole. And Russell Wilson's going to be the scapegoat for it. And it's awful, and I'm not going to cry any tears for a multi-millionaire, but nevertheless, it's awful that once again we watched another head coach bypass the criticism and, and be able to sustain the credit that he got from his one Super Bowl win. But the guy who's been who was part of one of the more dominant NFL teams for a decade isn't. But it is what it is. You know, we're going to move off for that negative and we're going to jump to another positive. We got to give the Miami Dolphins credit this year. And this is number three. So we're three down the pike. Oh, I got to try to find some positive if we're going to down pike. But yeah, we're headed three down the pike right now. And we got to give the Miami Dolphins, who have been outstanding this year, praise. And they deserve praise. And specifically, Tua. Tua's ILO has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The Miami Dolphins have been one of the best teams in the NFL. And it's not even close. Outside of hanging 70 points, <laughs> outside of hanging 70 points, I'm going to say it one more time. Outside of hanging 70 points on an NFL team, the Miami Dolphins are 3-1. and one. They're the best team in the AFC East right now. And a lot of you are going to be screaming, well, you know, they, they, they're, they're definitely not better than the Buffalo Bills. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Buffalo, Buffalo definitely just beat the Bills. And you got to give them credit. I think they blew the doors off them. I believe it was almost a 28-point 28 point, 28 point swing. I think it was like 48-20. Nevertheless, Miami, though, is still a team that's they're fast. They're disciplined. They get after the quarterback. They are one of the – they pop on camera, I guess, is that is that was what I'm trying to find a more articulate way to say. You get that energy from them on camera, and it's exciting to watch. And you're expecting it to continue. It doesn't look like it's smoke and mirrors. It doesn't look like they're going to be a team that's going to struggle down the stretch. But you want to, you're going to keep an eye. People are always going to like Josh. Josh Allen is now shot up the MVP board. But the fact of the matter is, Buffalo, or excuse me, Miami right now is the number one scoring team in the NFL. They're the number one. Uh, they're number one in yards. You know, they're number one in first downs. They're number one in passing yards. They're number one in in. Uh, Rushing yards, rushing TDs, rush yards per attempt. 
They're one of the best teams in the NFL right now. And I'm not going to give their worst game was coming off their game where they had just scored 70 points. So maybe they were feeling themselves a little bit and that happens, but we're not going to act like this team is not going to be one of the better teams going down, going down the pike. They're second in red zone percentage. They're a team to be reckoned with. And you want to give to a credit because a lot of people, and as much as you want to say, as much as I want to say Baker is going to inevitably do, Baker going to do what Baker does, though everyone's going to be watching attentively to see if the Dolphins, and specifically if Tua can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, the Dolphins are going to be a problem a long way going forward. Now we got to talk about another team. Another team that had been anointed. And I love, in basketball, a team that was anointed a few years ago was my one of my favorite teams, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder were anointed as a, a future champion. They were a team on the rise. I love team on the rise. Team on the rise every year is a team that eventually comes up short. They always do, and just like Oklahoma City did. And now it's the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL. The Cincinnati Bengals were a team that was on the rise. They were a team to be reckoned with. They were going to start out slow because they always start out slow, but they rebound despite never winning a Super Bowl. They always start out slow, but they rebound. They're one and three right now, and they look awful. They look awful. Joe Barrow is hurt. Okay. Joe Barrow was hurt his rookie year. Okay. When Joe Barrow is healthy, well, that's great. My man Everett Terry has a great phrase. If ifs were a fifth, we all be drunk. If Joe Barrow is healthy, well, Joe Barrow's not healthy. And Joe Barrow struggles with being healthy. And his team is one and three. So I'm going to judge Judge Barrow. Joe, I'm going to judge Joe Barrow on what he does when he's on the field. And when he's on the field, they're the 31st ranked scoring offense. When he's on the field, they're losing games and they're scoring three points twice in four games. Their most points they scored all year was 24. And that 24 was against a divisional opponent. So I'm going to judge Joe Burrow on what I see when he's on the field. And I see an offense that struggles. I see an offense that's got playmakers but aren't making plays. Excuse me. I see an offense that's got playmakers but ain't making plays. I see one of the best young threats in the game in Jamar Chase saying, I'm open. I'm always open. And he's not going to throw a shot at Cool Joe. But someone needs to ask the question, dude, if you're not healthy enough to play, don't play. Because if we're one and three with you, what are we, 0 and 4 without you? Or maybe we alter a game plan. Maybe we don't hold the team hostage. Maybe we don't, perhaps. Maybe we don't build a game plan around a player who's we believe is healthy when he's not. And there are times where Joe Burrow is a, looks like he's afraid to run. It looks like he's trying to avoid taking a hit. If he can't play football at the level that you're expecting him to play, Regardless of the reason, don't give me reasons to excuse his shortcomings. If he can't produce at the level you're asking him to produce at, then he needs to be replaced. That guillotine should have no prejudgment. That guillotine should have no prejudice. That guillotine should not be held back for anybody. That guillotine should cut for everyone, including Joe Burrow. So if he's not able to produce at the level the Bengals are expecting him to be at, don't come to me at two and six, or don't come to NFL fans at two and six, or don't come for the people that voted for you at two and six. Don't come for the people that believed in you at two and six and say, "Oh well, you know, Joe's been hurt all year, so we're you know we're just trying to cut, we're just trying to make it happen, man. We're doing the best we can." Now nah, I'm not trying to hear that. Don't ask me to excuse. Don't give me reasons to excuse. Don't 
beg apart. Don't beg for me to pardon your shortcomings. And right now at one and three, you're not disappointing to me because I saw this train coming. I had the schedule. I knew it was coming. Saw this train coming. I felt the Bengals had been over-evaluated. I felt that people wanted to see them take the next step. But we were looking at a team that struggled with health. We were looking at a team that struggled with confidence, meaning they were overconfident, much like the Memphis Grizzlies. Much like the Memphis Grizzlies. Off the court issues aside, we held the Grizzlies to a certain standard because they were overconfident. If you haven't won a Super Bowl, you haven't won a Super Bowl. So I'm going to repeat that because it's like a dumb moment. But think about this. It's a very profound statement. Think about this. If you haven't won a Super Bowl, then you haven't won the Super Bowl. So you don't get to walk out with your chest out. Like you don't get to walk out with your head held high. There's still work to be done. The goal has not been accomplished. And in Cincinnati... They were throwing, they were popping bottles like they had won something. And not literally, but figuratively. They gave a nickname to a Cleveland Browns organization that had won the same amount of championships that they'd won. In the modern day era, if you want to go back. They'd, they'd given a nickname to a Cleveland Browns organization that was headed by a quarterback that was more accomplished than the dude that you had. In Deshaun Watson. Now, he struggled, but Deshaun Watson has accomplished more in this league Joe Barrow has, despite what the news media or what the current media and the talking heads say, respectfully, well, disrespectfully. So let's put away that anointing oil and let's start looking at the Bengals with our eyes wide open instead of with our eyes shut. So I want to go positive now. So we touched on the Bengals. Oh, we're our six here. I had the, uh, what did I have to, started out with, no, I'm not going to rename him. You know who I started out with. Then we transitioned to the Bears. So that was the fifth. And then we went four Miami Dolphins. Now we went three Cincinnati Bengals. You know, I'm supposed to go with something positive, but I got, I, I'm going to end on a positive note because I had to start so painful. I'm still hurting from that. The Pittsburgh Steelers look lost and confused. They're two and two, but it's like a, uh, it's like a, the ship be sinking boss two and two. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, it's like um, it's like a two and two where you, you you're expecting it to like you're waiting for your sentencing. You know what I mean? Like it's like you're waiting. Like it's a two and two, and word just broke that they found the key witness, so it's going down. That's what their two and two are. It's like conversely, the Atlanta Falcons are two and two, but confidence levels are high in Atlanta. We played better than you know we played up to a different level. We're better. We got a lot of holes to fill, but we're two and two, so we're okay. Pittsburgh is two and two, and they're instead of sending one guy out to see Caleb Williams, they're sending out two. Pittsburgh's two and two, and they're looking at Kenny Pickett like, really, dog? Really? Two and two. But more so than that, they just they just don't look good. Like they don't look like a football team that's gonna turn it around. And the only reason why I'm not ready to, to put the final nail in the coffin is because they got Mike Tomlin as their head coach. And because they played so well towards the end of last season. But, dude, some, you know, what you did last week ain't going to hurt me today. Like, they got to be better, man. They started out 0-1 with the season, losing to the 49ers. I thought they would beat the 49ers. I was shocked that they lost in the manner that they lost. But then they beat the Cleveland Browns, which is a divisional opponent. You never want to take You never want to take lightly of a divisional opponent. Then they beat the Raiders, who are a solid team. Not great, but they did beat the Raiders. 
But you can't lose to the Houston Texans by 24 and, and act like it's okay. You can't lose to the Houston Texans and not make the list of one of the biggest six different six surprises, one of the six surprises or disappointments to start the season. And Pittsburgh's got to turn this around. They got the Ravens and then a bye week. If they get their doors blown off by the Ravens, Kenny Pickett's got to be out of there. You got to start thinking of Caleb Williams. You got to start thinking of, you know, we got the players we need and we've got the organization. It ain't the organization. Like, it's there's institutional failure with the Chicago Bears. Like, the Chicago Bears are an institutionally bad team. Like, you know, they should really consider, the Chicago Bears should really consider bringing in one of those, um, those uh, consulting firms to see why they're so putrid every year and why they're so awful at assessing the QB position. QB position. That ain't the case in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has been one of the best sports franchise franchises in the world. It doesn't matter the decade. They've been up there. Yeah, they struggled in the 90s a little bit, in the 80s a little bit, but they still had an identity. They were still a formidable opponent. You know, they were still a team to be reckoned with. They, they, There's no excuse for this. There's no reasons for this. You've got your quarterback in the future. Maybe. You've got one of the best head coaches in the, in the league. This should be a better team. And the schedule doesn't get better for them. They don't have a, 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 a layup or a team that they should, that, that you would pick them to roll up until they play the Bengals. Yes, I said it, the Bengals, in week 12. So they've got to right this ship because they got an early bye week, and that could be God's way of saying, you might want to move on from Kenny. Just an idea. Finally, I want to end it on two high notes. The San Francisco 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles are have been, I want to say, the two best teams in the NFL record-wise but they've been assessed differently in the way they've obtained these records. The 49ers have been dominant by all accounts, by most. They've been a dominant team. They played well. And they've been everything that people have expected them to be, but they've done it with a guy at quarterback where the, I want to say the metric system has been lowered. They've done it with a guy at quarterback at Brock Purdy, who a lot of people didn't expect to be good. So it's kind of like, it's like, um, Every time he does something, like he does something simple, people are blown away at how he's done it because they didn't expect for him to even do the simple. And conversely, Jalen, Jalen Hurts has been judged differently. Jalen has done something, I, I coined the phrase when I was a writer with Breach Report, he's made the magnificent look mundane. Therefore, the judgment of him has been, eh, the Eagles are okay. They're struggling right now. And they haven't played well. You don't want to be playing your best football right now this quarter of the season you want to be working things out and still winning i mean when you look at who the 49ers have beaten this year they've beaten the steelers who we just discussed a two and two barely two and two football team but your record says what you are so they beat the steelers team that is two and two they beat an arizona cardinals team that is tanking for joe montana yeah i know they're tanking for caleb but they they're, they're known to screw things up so in their mind they're probably tanking for joe montana or John Elway. They beat a Giants team. Daniel Jones is what we thought he was. <laughs> and they're not letting him off the hook, and I love it. But they beat a Giants team. They beat a Rams team. Now, it's a divisional opponent, much like the Cardinals. 
but they're still the Rams. They still don't know what direction they want to go. They don't know if they want to make that left at re Rebuildville or if they want to make that right at Retoolville. So they're just kind of struggling for where they want to go. So it's not like they're setting the world on fire with their opponents. But you look at who the Philadelphia Eagles have beaten this year. They beat the New England Patriots. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. But a surprising 3-1 Tampa Bay Buccaneers team and a surprising 2-2 two two Washington Commanders team, one of which was a divisional opponent. So there's no layups here for the Eagles. The Patriots are coached by the greatest coach in the NFL history. He had an entire offseason to prepare for the Eagles, and specifically Jalen Hurts. The Minnesota Vikings were one of the better teams in the NFL, and I don't like to use the phrase last year, but they were one of the better teams and have historically been a, be a good football team. They've struggled this year, but they weren't struggling when they got to Philly. They didn't struggle until after they left Philly. Tampa Bay couldn't move the ball, but it's okay. You know, it's, it's Tampa Bay, and we didn't expect much out of Tampa Bay, so Philly gets no credit for that. And Washington, well, you know, they got Sam Howell at quarterback, so we're not really giving them any credit for that. And that bothers me a little bit because there's two undefeated teams in the NFL, not one. And Jalen Hurts should be considered an MVP candidate. Now, he won't be because he isn't putting up the eye-popping numbers and he hasn't been making the plays that you're used to seeing from other quarterbacks. And let me, let me clean that up a little bit. He hasn't been making new plays for him. He's just been doing the same magnificent plays, but now they look mundane. The brotherly push. No other quarterbacks running that in the league. I wonder why. He's managed to keep Anthony, excuse me, he's managed to keep his two wide receivers happy in Devontae Smith and Brown. He's managed to keep them happy, A.J. Brown. He's managed to keep them happy. They've got one of the more potent running games, if not the most potent running games in the NFL, with retreads at, at running back. They don't have a number one pick at the running back position that they drafted. Their most effective back is a the guy they traded for in Swift. So the Philadelphia Eagles should, and their secondary is struggling, but they're playing with confidence because their quarterback is infusing discipline and confidence to the roster. But we're not going to give them credit for that because that would be accepting that what he's doing is magnificent and it's mundane because we expect that from him. So just put yourself in this position. Just close your eyes and put yourself in this position. Brock Purdy, close your eyes and envision this. Brock, Brock Purdy isn't playing at the level that Jalen Hurts has ever played at. But yet, Brock Purdy has been hailed as the future quarterback, a magnificent quarterback, great quarterback, headed to a starter. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, is looked at as a guy that has questions about, playing with a brand-new offensive coordinator. There's questions about him. There's questions about him. You know, he, he, we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know if he can produce. Had one of the better Super Bowls outside of the fumble. We can't overlook the fumble. We included in the judgment. Still played outstanding. Yeah. It took a heroic effort from Patrick Mahomes. And I guess Mahomes kind of goes through it too because people elevate Josh Allen on the same level of him. And they, if, if, if Patrick Mahomes is a Ferrari, Josh Allen ain't even in the parking lot. Like, But I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why we do that. To, there are two quarterbacks in this league that are the creme de la creme. It's Patrick Mahomes, and then a few doors down, there's Jalen Hurts. And then there's everybody else. Until those players play up in the critical moments and prove us wrong, it's Patrick Mahomes on the penthouse top floor, and a few doors down, 
few doors down as Jalen Hurts. So we got to give credit for that. But the 49ers and Eagles are the only two four no teams, and they're headed for a crash course week 13. And that will probably be for NF- NFC supremacy. Yeah, I know the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowgirls are there. Gag me with a spoon. Gag me with a spoon. The Cowgirls will do what the Cowgirls do. I know Tampa Bay Buccaneers are there, but they're going to do what they're going to do. This is a two-horse race. And luckily, the horses meet up, meet up. So that's it for this installment of Unparalleled Sports Talk. I appreciate your time of year. Again, like, share, comment, subscribe, whatever your podcast platform allows you to do. And we'll see you next week. Be easy.